the boards in front of the 200, Dr. Grayson, Sedestin are challenging, and better loosen up on the extreme outside, Sedestin and Benedict have come away, they're fighting it out, better loosen up on the extreme outside is roaring clear, and better loosen up wins the Sajano. Sedestin second. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. Nowadays, the Everest is the jewel in the crown of Sydney's spring racing carnival, but time-honoured races like the Epsom and the Metropolitan add greatly to the atmosphere. Many lovers of the thoroughbred are equally excited by the appearance of the new two-year-olds in the Breeders' Plate and the Jim Crack Stakes. The list of Breeders' Plate winners to go on to slipper glory takes your breath away. Sky High, Eskimo Prince, Baguette, Luscan Star, Sebring, Piero, Vancouver and Capitalist. One Breeders' Plate victor who should have won the Golden Slipper was Encounter, who threw the race away by running off the track in 1996. Interesting to note that the first Golden Slipper winner, Todman, didn't start in the Breeders' Plate. Jim Crack Stakes winners haven't fared as well, with not a single Slipper winner amongst them. Concert star, Winona Girl, Vaindara, Media and more recently Gatta all won the gym crack before placing in the golden slipper. This year's editions of the big two-year-old double will be part of a dazzling program on Saturday, September the 30th. Group 1's on the day are the Tab Epsom, the Metropolitan and the Dali Flight Stakes. Everest contenders will be in action in the premiere while the listed Dulcify Stakes is an important lead-up to the spring champion. It's one hell of a race day. Royal Randwick, Saturday, September 30th, as the Sydney Spring Carnival rolls on. In keeping with our policy of featuring country participants on our regular podcasts, we're going to the lovely little New South Wales town of Narromine on the Macquarie River, 40 kilometres west of Dubbo. Only three trainers use the facilities at the Narromine track, and between them, they're working about 25 horses. Two of the three happen to be father and daughter. Former jockey Wayne Collison and the eldest of his four daughters, Kylie Kennedy. I can remember calling Wayne in races back in the days when he was apprenticed to the late Roy Hinton at Newcastle. And one very smart horse I saw him ride to victory on more than one occasion on city tracks was Brother Smoke. Wayne spent the last three years of his apprenticeship with the very astute Ron Martin at Walker. After a stint in Canoundra, he settled in Narromine over 40 years ago, where he became stable jockey for the late Jack Walsh. His wife, Robin Douglas, took out a trainer's licence a few years later and enjoyed plenty of success with Wayne as stable jockey. He quit the saddle and became a trainer in his own right about 26 years ago and has maintained a very good strike rate with a limited number of horses. He rarely has more than six or seven in work. He rides them all himself in track work and personally looks after the million and one chores associated with a racing stable. We're going to talk to Wayne Collison about his lifetime in racing And towards the end of the podcast, we'll bring his daughter Kylie to the phone to talk to her about her successful journey as a professional trainer. Wayne, thanks for joining us. 
and congratulations on the nice little run you're having lately. Yeah, thanks, John. You don't mind travelling, and only a month ago you headed all the way to Louth with three runners. That town comes alive for the Louth races in August. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know it's a pretty big meeting out there. Like it's a fair way to go, but you know you got to do a bit of travelling. How long did that trip take you? Pulling a three-horse angle loader? Uh, probably about four and a half hours. Oh dear. Yeah. So what it's time a fair did, trip. Yeah. When did you get away from Narromine? Oh, probably about seven, something like that. Seven, yeah. half past six, seven, yeah. And a few miles of dirt road, I imagine. Yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, after uh, Coba, there's a little bit of dirt road, yeah. Mm. You won a race at Louth to cover expenses with a horse called Money Not My God, ridden by Ken Dunbar. Now, that horse has been going pretty well, Wayne. In fact, I think you've won three with him lately. Yeah, he's, he's won three. He's been, uh, he's been pretty consistent. Yeah, he's no, no well-beater, but he's, he's, he's honest. You've won races lately with Lucky I'm With Amy. Uh, Planet X was another one. Uh, both of those won at Warren. He's a Comet won at Narromine. And Sisters Pick won a race at Corindai. Now, that's a decent trip, narrow mind to Corindai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people in racing now are uh, clocking up the miles. Mm. Looking for the right race. Yeah, just go, find the right races. That's, that's the main thing, place them in where, you, where they can win. We've mentioned that only three trainers use the track at narrow mind, yourself, uh, Kylie and Glenn Potter. Now, work riders are obviously few and far between, but you overcome that problem by riding them all yourself. Yeah, that's, that's one way to overcome it. Mm. You had your 69th birthday only recently, so that's a pretty good effort, Wayne. Yeah, yeah, uh, about about a week ago it was. Mm. Yeah, no, it's yeah, not as, not as uh, quick as what I was you know, in, in the past, but you know, still, still being able to handle them all right. You're on a little property close to the track. You've got uh, the use of a treadmill, a walker, a bungee pool, and at the race course you've got the use of a sand track and you tell me the course proper is made available once a week. Yeah, yeah, John. Uh, we can uh, work on the course proper for, for gallops once a week. Mm-hmm. And the, the, we've got the sand track, you know, which is, you know, it's pretty good for a bush sand track, yeah. Now, you know more about those tracks than anybody else because for a period of 18 years, you actually acted as track manager for the Narromine Turf Club. How did you make that work? I presume you'd get all of your horses out of the way and then yeah, spend all the... the hmm. all the horses out of the way first and then, uh, then you... Have a quick breakfast and and keep going with the with the track. Yeah, it was long hours, but mm. but I enjoyed doing it. The track isn't overused, Wayne, is it? And it appears to have a pretty good racing surface. It has a very good racing surface. Yeah, it's not the, it has, has for years. Yeah, not the biggest track in the west, is it? It's about a mile round, with a home straight of under four hundred meters. So you'd need to be handy in races. Yeah, but they, they can come from behind, but uh, 
like uh, been been up on the paces, uh, preferable. Yeah. Mm. The race course has the benefit of pop up irrigation these days, but that wasn't the case in your day. How did you irrigate? No, but the irrigation pipes we had to drag them round with a tractor and <laughs> I'd do about the furl- two hundred metres at a time. Mm. It was a little bit different to what they do today. <laughs> oh my word. Let's look at your background, Wayne. You were born and reared in a lovely little place called Cassilis between Dunny-Doo and Merriwar. It's only a village of about 300 people. What did your family do there? Uh, father, he um, ended up being the manager of Dalkeith, the uh, property there, station. Mm. Yeah, he's a bit, <clears throat> like it's uh, not a very big pace, but, uh, yeah, and Enjoyed growing up there anyway, mm. yeah. You had two brothers and one sister, and as it turned out, you were the only one to take an interest in racing. Now, just to illustrate how your destiny was sealed, you played local rugby league in the under-five stone team, so you were <laughs> never you're never going to be a front rower. No, that's for sure. No, it, uh, I wasn't, wasn't very big back in them days, no. Did you learn to ride at an early age? Yeah, yeah, we had uh, ponies. We all had ponies and uh, rode the pony club. Yeah, I could ro- r- ride before I went in the stables, but uh, riding thoroughbreds is a little bit different to, you know, riding uh, ponies and that. Mm. Well, by age 15, the prospect of becoming an apprentice jockey started to appeal to you. And with the help of a family friend, you got an introduction to the late Roy Hinton, a respected trainer at Newcastle. Did you go for an interview? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, went down, for, I think it was at a, a race meeting, John. Right. And uh, this, uh, the person uh, who introduced us to, to Roy was at horse racing that day. Mm. And when, when they uh, had a talk to him, and uh, within about two weeks, I was down there. Mm. By age 15, uh, you were pretty well fired up. You got the job with Roy. When you started there, I believe his stable jockey was John Wade, who was later to win fame as the rider of the great Luskin Star. Was he one of your early tutors? Yeah, uh, uh, John and, and uh, Bill, Billy Wade, he, he was... Mm. Uh, he was the stable rider for for Roy, and he was easing out, and John was taken over. Mm. Yeah, and uh, it, it, they helped me a, like they helped me a lot. Yeah, you know, when uh, you know when I sort of learned the ropes. Yeah, you wrote a lot of work with John Wade, I presume. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Wayne, you joined an elite bunch of young jockeys by winning at your very first race ride. I mean, that's fairy tale stuff. What yeah. was the horse and where did it happen? Uh, it was uh, at Musselbrook mm-hmm. on the, one of the boss's horses called uh, Coppersmith. Ah, yeah. And uh, I, uh, Maxie Lees was, rode the second horse. Max Lees. Yeah. Yeah, Good. no, that's, that's going back a few years ago. Do you recall the race? Did you lead? No, no, the horse got got back in the back in the race, yeah, mm. and uh, fin- finished the race off, yeah. yeah. 
Max Lees was tall and pretty heavy, wasn't he? He had plenty of talent in the saddle, but he, oh, was, he's a, he's he wasn't going very, to last long. No, he's a very strong rider too. Mm. Well, later on, of course, he became a trainer of great distinction with Luskin Star, the horse, to put his name up in lights. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he was a good trainer, Max, wasn't he? Oh, outstanding. Yeah. As the winners started to flow, you were getting opportunities from other Newcastle trainers, and one of them was a very astute man, Keith Tinson. He was probably in the veteran class even then, was he? He was, yeah. Yeah, he had uh, stables on, on course. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he was uh, he was probably in the veteran class, yeah. You had no weight problems in those days, mate. They tell me you were flat out carrying your saddle. Yeah, I, I, like I could ride seven stone for, for a long time. Mm. That was in there when they were in the stones and pounds and stones then. Yeah. Well, I saw you go around many times at places like Gosford and Wyong, and uh, your boss was a regular participant at those meetings. Roy was a regular uh, at the Wyong and Gosford meetings. But I've got very clear recollections of you riding Brother Smoke. You won races on him in the city. He was probably the best horse you rode in those early days. Yeah, probably probably the best horse I, I rode, yeah. He could leave the gate and get himself into the race, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, he's a, he's a very fast horse by smoky eyes. Jo- Johnny Wade used to ride him a lot too. Mm. Horse trainers have a natural aversion to windsuckers, and that's not surprising. Horses who arch the neck, clamp their teeth over anything they can get hold of and suck air into the esophagus before expelling it again. It looks terrible, it sounds terrible, and it does them no good, Wayne. And you tell me Brother Smoke was a shocker. Yeah, no, he's a real bad windsucker. Uh, I had to take his feet in out, water bucket of a night, so he, and, but he used to windsuck off his knee. Goodness me, never heard yeah. of that before. Yeah, he was, he was bad. Mm. They usually lighten off, don't they? They, they don't do well at all. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of horses do, yeah. Yeah, but he, he seemed to keep his condition that pretty mm. well. Yeah. Well, after about three years with Roy Hinton, you had your indentures transferred to a very astute man called Ron Martin at Walker on the Northern Tablelands, a terrific racing town and a very cold town in the winter months. Track work must have been lovely from May <laughs> to August. Yeah, but yeah, wasn't wasn't real good, John. No, it's very cold. But uh, I, I enjoyed my time up there with Ron. He, he was a very good trainer, and he was good good to me. Yeah, he was indeed a smart trainer. Whenever he brought one to town, they were treated with respect, particularly yeah. by the bookmakers. And one of his smart horses to come to the city was Queer Street on whom you won a race or two in town. I can remember you riding Queer Street. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. Uh, I think the first time I went down there, John, I got beat on him and that was, that was the day that people used to get over the fence and give you a payout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the owners put me back on him and the next time down there and he won, yeah. Yeah, mm. he's, uh, 
but he, he was a he was a you know pretty handy horse. He won a lot of lot of flyings and that up the bush. Yeah, Ron's real talent was to recognise when they were good enough to come to town, and he was rarely wrong. That's right. Yeah. Wayne, yeah, did, you, did you ride a horse called Homburg for Ron Martin around about that time? He was yeah. a very smart horse, but he had a funny action. He he did. Yeah, he's uh, if you see him canter along, you wouldn't, and you look like buying him, you wouldn't buy him. But uh, <laughs> yeah. he was a different different when he was uh, in a race. Yeah. What do you mean, trot canter, even trot. half pace? He'd look a bit odd. Yeah, yeah. Just take those little dolly steps. Mm. Yeah, no, he was and he was a you know real handy horse. He's put himself right up on the pace, and it was a hard horse to get past. Ron Martin trained horses for the Niverson family. Simon Niverson's wife Jill is a sister to Sandy Tate of the famous Dugiong Racing family, and every now and again, one of the Tate breed would find its way to Walker. You were telling me there was a filly called Thought. Uh, from one of the famous Tate families, uh, who later became the dam of a golden slipper winner. She was Inspired's mother. Yeah, that's that's right. I, I, they sent her up there. I, she had some. Uh, I think she was with Theo Green to start with, mm-hmm. and they sent sent her up to Ron. She had something, something, uh, some problems on that, and but she couldn't. She still didn't stand up. So they they bred from her and she ended up producing a golden slipper winner. Yeah. Did you ride her in races? No, no. No. I rode, rode her in a bit of work and that, yeah. Mm. yeah. As a fully-fledged jockey, you travelled around a lot and your adventures led you to the lovely little central western town of Canoundra where Terry Pracy, the late Terry Pracy, was training horses for Stan Wall, who was also passed on. You rode a number of winners for that little operation, including a very smart grey horse I remember well by the name of Max Wynn. Didn't you win a race at Eagle Farm on that horse? Yeah, I, I did, John, yeah. Uh, he was he was a bit of a handful. Like, like he had a few tricks and that, but he, he was a pretty, pretty smart horse. He was... Had a lot of ability, yeah. Mm. I would imagine there were very few horses in work on the Canoundra racecourse. Canoundra was probably better known as a trotting town, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, John. Yeah, like they were, like Ronnie was the only one who had uh, horses in work when I was there, mm. and like he, you know, he always had a fair few horses in work. Mm. And you actually rode them fast work. On the Canoundra track, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Canoundra's is very yeah, that's right, it's a very small track, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, I, I rode them all all work there. I think uh, when I was there, um, uh, uh, Terry Croft was there uh, riding work too. Was he Terry Croft? Yeah, yeah. Terry Croft there, yeah, and he he's uh, he's done pretty well for himself, Terry. Mm. Still training at Hawkesbury. He is, yeah. Yeah. You met a charming young lady during your Canoundry years by the name of Robin Douglas, who was destined to become your wife and the mother of your four daughters. 
Yeah, uh, that's a fair, fair while ago, John. <laughs> no, that's yeah, yeah, no, uh, sort of, uh, she sort of put me on the straight and narrow, I think, Robin did. <laughs> <laughs> that was a job in itself, mate. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you built up a pretty good clientele on the Western Line, and next thing you know, you get an offer to go to Narromine as stable jockey for the late Jack Walsh. Robin went with you. You landed in Narromine over 40 years ago, believe it or not, and you've never left. You got on with the business of being a professional jockey, and early on, Wayne, you were getting to places like Engonia, Burke, Cobar, and goodness knows where else, and you rode plenty of winners out there. Yeah, uh, before I moved to uh, Narromine, my weight sort of got away on me a bit, mm. and I was doing, got started riding out there and, and uh Sort of more, it's got my foot back in the door again. Mm. Yeah, and uh, then then sort of started riding down this area again. Mm. Wayne, let me take a stab at the kind of animal those sounds are emanating from in the background. Is that a cat or yeah, a leopard? <laughs> no, that's a cat. <laughs> my my other half is. Uh, Got a lot of cats. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one yeah. of them and, and very vocal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you rode a lot for Rodney Robb back in those days in a very good trainer called Gary Cooper, who at one stage was the only trainer at Warren. He had exclusive use of one of the best country tracks in Australia. Yeah, no, they're both very good trainers and, uh, like, the Warren Warren track is a, it's a beautiful track. You know, it's uh, pity it wasn't down this way a little bit, a little, little bit closer. Mm. Yeah, lovely big track, still called the Randwick of the Western Districts. Yeah, it is. Do you remember riding an outlaw by the name of Harlequin Star? I do. Uh, one of Rodney's horses. Uh, <laughs> it was at it was at Ningen. It uh, threw, threw me three times. Twice in the enclosure, and then once, once into the baton ring, just about. Oh dear! And uh, Normie Ward and Stephen Reed used to be Rodney stable riders. Mm. And I asked them, I said, "How come you aren't riding this? This is before I went out on to get on it." Mm. And they said, "Ours aren't much good," he said, "but they're quiet." <laughs> oh, <laughs> you sense danger. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the horse got round in third. I don't think it ever had another start. Oh, and Rod, Rodney keeps bringing that up all the time. Mm. Uh, he said, "He said I wouldn't have got on it after the second time." Yeah, and and the horse never got any better, Wayne. Never got any better. I think Rodney got rid of it. Yeah. Mm. Well, four or five years after you arrived in Narromine, Robin decided to take out a trainer's license and she turned out to be pretty good at the caper. Magic Letter was one very nice horse she trained, and you were the jockey. You won a stack of races on Magic Letter. Yeah, no, he was, he was a very, very smart horse. He's like, I think at one stage he had held, probably held about four or five records in the bush. Yeah, like a real, he had a real speed horse he was. Mm. He, no, he, he was, 
I think he won about 13 races, John. Yeah, good effort. It's hard to win three or four. It is these days, yeah. Dubian was another regular winner for the stable. Yeah, Dubian, that was one of uh, Les Gibson's horses. He, mm. he was, uh, I think he uh, he won about 10 or 12 races too, I think, John. Mm, multiple winner. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about Neslo, Wayne? He was a, a good one for you and Robin in the late 1980s, but he wasn't around for long. He had a very short career. No, he had a, he had a few problems. He had a uh, uh, float accident when they bought it, like come into in the worky one day mm. and his horse kept going shinsaw. Uh. Yeah. I think that the his first start he went went round in eight hundred meters at uh Gilgandra mm. and he he jumped uh, dropped his head, went back to last and went round and still won by about two lengths. No, yeah. he, he was a very very smart horse. Neslo was owned by a man whose name you mentioned a minute or two back, Les Gibson, the late Les Gibson, who was a great racing man. He was a successful breeder and an absolute force in narrow mind racing. He was always very supportive of you and Robin. Yeah, he was. He, uh, I, he had horses with us uh, right up until his death, mm. you know, a few, uh, five or six years ago, yeah. yeah. And uh, he supported us. Yeah, over the years, real well, Les, yeah. He owned a brilliant horse called Kingster in the 1950s. Now, Kingster had a little place in history. He was the very first runner to appear on the racetrack by the great stallion Star Kingdom. He won the Breeders' Plate in 1954. Later, he would go on to win a WS Cox Plate. I bet Les Gibson told you all about Kingster. Yeah, yeah, no, he yeah, uh, he was a very smart horse. Yeah, and I, I think he had an uh, another filly too by the Star Kingdom too. Um, Star, Star Over was it? Oh, Ultra Blue. Ultra Blue, yeah. And then Star Over may have come later. Star yeah. Kingdom made an unbelievable start uh, with his progeny on the Australian race courses in 1954. His first two runners, Wayne were Kingster in the Breeders' Plate and Ultra Blue in the Jim Crack Stakes two days later, and she won too. Fancy a new sire getting the winners of the Breeders' Plate and the Jim Crack Stakes with his first two runners. It's amazing. Yeah, I think that uh, put, him, put him right on the map, that, didn't it? Well, his influence is being felt to yeah. this day. Yeah. Yeah. Kingster's colours, uh, Wayne, were yellow with a tartan sash and a tartan cap. They were the Les Gibson colours, and you tell me he was still using them decades after. Yeah, it's, it's still still used. I think we've got a, still got a set here. Have you really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he, uh, a couple of times we lost the cap and uh, – he always had to have that tartan cap, mm. so he's, he he went and bought about five or six of them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? He was very thorough, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I met him only once, Wayne. I was at the services club at Warren the night before one of the big race meetings there, and he came along and introduced himself. I knew all about him, of course, and I knew about his contribution to 
Western Districts Racing, and he asked me to call into the Narromine Racecourse on my way to Dubbo Airport the following morning, uh, which I delighted in doing, and he gave me a personal inspection of the track, and uh, he was very friendly, very warm, and very happy to tell me all about a place and a racetrack that he loved dearly. Yeah, Les spent a lot, like a lot of time. That was his uh, when he semi retired. He he always sort of kept a big interest in the in the turf club here mm. and, and and the track. You know. He was when I was doing when I was looking after it. He sort of always made sure that uh, you know things were done properly. Said, <laughs> mm. Crest of Gold and Lentigo were two other handy horses trained by Robin. Uh, she won a Dubbo Cup and a Wellington Cup with Crest of Gold and a Wellington Cup with Lentigo. That wife of yours did a pretty good job, didn't she? She did, yeah. And, uh, like, when, they, when the, these kids were born and that, they were always carded to the races mm. from, the, from day one. Yeah, no, like, and she'd have to look after the kids and, do the horses, saddle horses up. So, no, she's done a, done a terrific job, yeah. Wally Prout was another great supporter for the stable. Yeah, he, he was, John. Uh, he had horses with us for, for a long time, for years. And uh, he had a few handy ones, uh, like uh, Slick Pick and uh, uh, like he had a couple um, with uh, Seth Hodgson, Hodgson too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, Wendy's pick, uh, Krupp pick. They had all the pick horses. Yep. That's a, that's the one he sort of had at the end of their names. But no, he he was a uh, he used to breed all his own horses and and uh, he, he was a pretty good uh, client. Yeah. Despite her continued success as a trainer, Robin later took on a new role as CEO of the Timberbongi House Retirement Village in Narromine, and she was there for a long time too. Yeah, yeah, she, she was. Uh, like she, she enjoyed, in, like, that part of, uh, well, I wouldn't say a retirement, but she, she uh, enjoyed what she'd what she done up there, yeah. And when did she finish up there at Timberbongi House? About 12 months ago. Mm, recently, yeah. Yeah, recently, yeah. Many Australian trainers have tried their horses on Pride's Racing Cube and have given the product a tick of approval. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube set recipe formulation means the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Pride's Racing Cube 
is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags, or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at an economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed Stable. Trainers of thoroughbreds, standard breads, and performance horses are giving it the thumbs up all around the nation. You were in your mid-40s when you first started to think about retirement. What were the reasons, Wayne? Was it weight? Uh, were the opportunities tapering off? Or were you just sick of the grind? Uh, probably a bit, bit, bit of both, John. A bit mm. of everything. Like, uh, like you watch your weight all the time and probably the opportunities were getting a bit less and, and uh, it was sort of I was getting, getting a bit older so I, I thought, well, time, you know, time was up. You so start- I had to sort of had the had the training to you know, uh, to fall back on. You know, it's not as though uh, you give up give up one thing and and then you're looking for a job on the shire or something. Yeah. You started yeah, training in your own right about twenty five years ago. And, gee, you've yeah. had a lot of fun. Uh, Bill Up was a very good horse for you. Yeah, he, he, was, he was a hand, handy horse. And, yeah, like, <clears throat> like he, uh, he won, I think he won an 800-metre race and then ended up going uh, his best distance of over 2,000 metres. Right. Southern Charm? Southern Charm, yeah, he was a, a good bush horse. He he won about ten or twelve races. Like he was just a real tough horse. Mm. You mentioned Wally Prout's horses with the word "pick" in their names. A slick pick won nine. A magic pick won eight. It's a good effort. Yeah, yeah. No, they they were handy horses. Yeah, good bush horses, John. Now, magic over the bay is the one we've got to highlight. You trained him for Robert Gainsford, who's been a great supporter. He was a very useful horse, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Uh, okay, I, he won about eight or nine races, I think. He, he was uh, in the finish. He got weighted out of the, out of the bush, and uh, he, d- he did a bit of a stint in Sydney. Mm-hmm. But uh, like he won a narrow mind cup, so he, he was a handy horse. Yeah. It seems to me that you had the ability to keep horses up for long periods of time, Wayne. These horses that win nine or ten or eleven races, you've got to keep them happy for a long time, happy and sound. That's right, yeah. Like uh, we've got uh, on the place here, we've got, like most of the, spend most of the time outside, not in boxes, mm. and uh, we've got this uh, bungee swimming pool. So they are pretty, pretty happy, yeah, pretty cruisy. Lovely to talk to you, mate. I'm going to ask you now to hand the phone over to your lovely daughter and fellow trainer Kylie Kennedy, one of Narrowmind's three professional trainers. Would you mind, Wayne? And again, lovely to talk to you. Hello, good, John. Hi, John. Kylie, how are you going? I'm well, thank you. You're the eldest of four girls produced by mum and dad. Where are your sisters, Tristan, Michaela and Tiana, as we speak? Um, 
Tristan is, well, she's actually on holidays up at the Gold Coast at the moment, but she works in Dubbo for the Aboriginal Land Council. Mm-hmm. Um, Michaela, she's 29. She lives up at the Gold Coast. She manages a beauty place in at the Crown Casino. Yeah. And Tiana, who's 27, um, she's just had a little baby. So she's on maternity leave, little Tilly. And none of the three were bitten by the racing bug. No, they they got dragged down to the stables of an afternoon and to the races and that, but none of them picked up the bug to make it into a profession. What are your earliest rec- recollections of this passion for racing? Did the bug bite you early? It did. I can remember getting made go down and do boxes and yards when I got home straight off the bus and I know I just found a love for the horses. Um, watching mum and dad. So, mm. yeah, it just – I always just wanted to do that. So I mm. followed through with it where the other girls didn't. Mm. You've had the luxury of two wonderful tutors. Mum's out of racing these days, but dad continues to devote his life to the sport. And you're a great yeah. fan of Wayne Collison's. Do you get him to jump on one of your horses from time to time? Oh, he has every now and then if I'm – Shorter track work rider or something like that. He's jumped on a couple, but yeah, other than that, no. We sort of we do our separate. We we do separate things, but we're always there to help each other out when we need it. So no, it's good. You've been training small teams for about seventeen years now, Kylie. You've won about one hundred and fifty races, and you've never yep. forgotten your first winner. This is a good story. He was a former buck jumper. His name was our Sunny Boy. You put him into work as an eight-year-old. He was. He was in work with um, Kelly Harrison, who was at the time was Alan Keogh's partner. Mm. Um, They had a bit of trouble with him. He was a bit naughty and they sacked him. So Mm. my husband then, Lindsay, his family owned a buck jumping rodeo company at at Canamble. So we ended up out there. He'd done a couple of rodeos and then Lindsay decided to bring him back into work and we, yeah, we won a race with him. That was my first winner. Where was the win? At Gilgandra. Um, yeah. Kenny Dunbar rode him, yeah. Yeah, that might have been his only win, Kyle. It was his only win. He went round, I think he only had another start or two and he ended up um, break a done attendant. So, oh. he, um, yeah, we retired him. Yeah, good dinner party material though, isn't it? It was. I don't think many horses can put that on their resume. <laughs> no, no. From the rodeo to the racetrack for a successful debut at Gilgandra. Yep. You've had a number of personal favourites with three standouts. You won yep. 11 races with a Tracy Bartley cast-off called Spectacular I Am. Why did Tracy want to see the rear end of that horse? He, he kept – he had a few little injuries. He had a he had a broken neck and he wasn't the best traveller and that on the float is – Went down on a float a few times, and I think the last time I recall, Tracy turned up at the races with him was Canamble, and he went off on the truck and <laughs> took a whole heap of skin off his um, hocks, mm. and he had to be scratched. So they turned him out in the paddock for I think nearly twelve months, and when the owners went to bring him in, Tracy just said no, thank you. And um, at that time, I was training a few for Tracy's clients, so he come out here and. Yeah, he, he took a bit of coming around, but he ended up being definitely my best horse and my favourite horse. Oh, yeah, 11 wins. That's an outstanding effort. 
He was, yeah, he um he won 16 all up. So he won horse of the year out here twice. Um, yeah. yeah, he won a few. Um, I think my biggest thrill with him was I won the Wellington Town Plate on him. Um, yeah, he'd been in work nine weeks and we used to lead him out of the car. So um, he'd only been ridden four times from coming in from the paddock to the town plate and for having to have him win win that was a big thrill. Especially yeah. the owners. The owners were um all they're awesome people. Yeah. Well there was a lesson in that, Kyle, wasn't there? He the horse was obviously a, a mad freshie. Yeah, definitely. Actually his first race I ever uh won with him was over thirteen hundred and then I don't think I ever raced him over that again. I even took him down to Queanbeyan for the Queanbeyan Quickie mm. and he won that with Winona Costin on him. Mm. And, yeah, he was just a dead set sprinter. Mm. You love Shadow Force, who was also a two-time winner of the Horse of the Year Award. Now, this is another good story. You bought him at an English tried horse sale for $1,200 only I- because you didn't want to go empty-handed. That's true, John. My girlfriend, Courtney, um, we've been friends for 20-odd years. We we saved up and we took $2,000 down to the, the sales to just buy one that we could muck around with together. Um, Donna Grisdale and Johnny met me at the sales and I had a list of what I wanted to look at. Mm. And Donna went through my list and went, you know, that thing's a bleeder, that thing's broke down. That's, and <laughs> I, I actually had Shadow Force on my list and um, – she said, oh, I don't know what's wrong with him. He, they paid 80000 for him as a yearling and they never started him, she said. So, mm. yeah, there must be something sort of not right with him. And everything else that I liked that was left on the list went for above our budget. So he yeah. come in the ring and I just went, oh, well, I'll, I'll take him. I'll take my chances. Well, so um, it, it paid off. <laughs> did it ever. You won 11 races with him and he ran 23 placings, Kylie. All he off was, a $1,200 outlay. It's unheard of. He did. He won us a fraction over 200000 So he gave us a, an unbelievable ride. Um, I even took him to Queensland for one of them no metro win races and he was always, it was a real little show off at the races. He'd well, just he, prance around and he actually kicked a rail at the races and got scratched. So we had to load up and drive the 12 hours back home. Oh, um, but his next start, he come out and won the Gilgandra town plate, so yeah. all was forgiven. He also went very close to giving you your first city win in a benchmark race at Rose Hill in 2016. I bet you got off your seat that day. I did. I was so excited to run second. Jake Tracy Holmes um, rode in that day for me and I was so excited so ecstatic and then I looked I looked at the margin and I went oh my god that was so close like between winning prize money and second prize money was Mm. a big difference back then but yeah still still very pleased with him have you given the video replay a workout (laughs) no it was too painful to watch John (laughs) (laughs) if wild rocket didn't have the ability she's got she'd have been pretty hard to put up with She's a terrible traveller, she's hyperactive, she's cantankerous. The hardest part is getting her to the races in one piece. She is. She gets bandaged from top to bottom on her back legs. Um, Ricky sometimes has to travel in the float with her. Um, I know you're not supposed to, but, <laughs> but sometimes the only way we can get her 
there in one piece. Um, she has gotten a little bit better. Um, even before when she was younger, you couldn't even tie her up in the tie-up stalls at the races. Mm. We'd have to just keep walking her and stuff like that. But mm. definitely very appreciative for Ricky, my partner, putting up with her. Um, she's a handful to ride work. She's just she's just very a very quirky mare. For all of those quirks, she's won you a Warren Cotton Cup. She's won a Narromine Cup. She ran second in a Canamble Country Championship qualifier and ran fourth to Art Cadeau in the final at Randwick. That old girl can run. She can. She can. Um, I'm sure if she was slow, she would have been sacked a long time ago. But, mm. yeah, she's gave us a, a lot of thrills and um, her owners, Sarah and Alan, have been loyal supporters of mine for so many years and they just let you absolutely do what you want with the horses. They don't question you. They just mm. go with the flow. They know you have the horse's best interests mm. at heart. So they just, yeah, and I think that helps being able to place them and that because you know the horse and you know what, what needs to be done. Mm. What are the immediate plans for Wild Rocket? I actually took her out to the paddock yesterday. She's been in work nearly 12 months, so she just um, she went to a place in Dubbo where I spell horses. So she's out there for probably eight weeks, and then we'll we'll bring her back for another one more one more crack. Yeah, a swan song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned your partner Ricky, because Ricky happens to be Ricky Blewett, the George Moore of amateur jockeys on the New South Wales picnic circuit. I imagine he'd be riding more than his share of work at Narrow Mine six days a week. He does. You've got to love him. He, um, he helps me out enormously. He rides anywhere between 10 and 12 a morning for me. He doesn't whinge. He doesn't complain. He, he gets up every morning and does what it, what's got to be done. So I'm very, very thankful for him. Mm. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Ricky Blewett, but he is preceded by his fame. Uh, everybody tells me he's one of the best amateur riders we've ever seen in this state. He is. He's rode a lot of winners for me at the picnics. Um, he's a beautiful rider. He's got just the most unbelievable hands on a horse. Like we can have horses here even in track work that are just real handfuls and he just seems to get them to settle and relax and, yeah, it's a great asset for us. Mm. Would you tell Ricky, please, Kylie, that I've never done a podcast um, with an amateur rider, uh, with a picnic champion, but he certainly qualifies on all counts and I'll be in touch with him in the very near future. Do you think he'd do that for me? I think he will. I'll let him know for sure. He does the job nowadays that your father did for so many years. Ricky Blewett's is the current Narrow Mine track manager. He is. It's a job that fits in well with, with us so he can we can sort of finish the horses of a morning and he can sort of ponder around at the track and do his jobs down there. So it, it just it suits us really well. Like he doesn't have to get another job where he's got to be at work early in the morning and stuff like that. So mm. our track doesn't close till 11 here, so we sort of finish up and then he goes about his business. He rides at picnic meetings all over the state. How does he handle the travelling? Oh, he I think he enjoys it. It's a it's a good day out. Um if if we can or he can, he'll um go with some of the other fellow riders if they're travelling in the same direction. But yeah, it's 
if we travel to Moree and that, we generally will stay there the night and have dinner and that with Peter Sinclair. Um, or if we're heading down south, we catch up with Ricky's family down at Queanbeyan and that. So it's yeah. it's more of a mini holiday for us if we have to travel. Yeah. I doubt that Ricky has a greater fan than the Moree trainer, Peter Sinclair, who speaks so highly of him. Yeah, I think the feeling's mutual. Um, they talk quite often on the phone and Pete, Got a lot of respect for Ricky, and I think Ricky does the same for Pete. Mm. Do you see yourself training racehorses into the distant future? I don't think I'd do anything else, John. I did. I have done my on and off share working with Mum at the nursing home, which I did enjoy um, when time permitted. But I love the horses too much. Um, yeah, I intend to do it probably till I'm incapable of doing it. Yeah, good on you, mate. Is there a horse on the team currently that we might see in a tab highway down the track? Uh, not at the moment. I took um, one down there only a couple of months ago, Lipstick Lil. Um, she was sort of four lengths off them, but she's come out and won her last two out here. She won at Narromine and then backed up and won at Mudgee the other day. So um, I'll be aiming her for the Panorama at Bathurst next week. So, mm. yeah, other than that, I don't have... Too many up and racing. I've sort of cut down a little bit and I'm doing a lot of pre-training for mm. a few other trainers, um, Clint Lundome and that, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. It's a lot of weight taken off my back. So Clint's been a great supporter in me doing that. So I don't have any, uh, any up and comings. <laughs> mm. Kylie Kennedy, great to chat and good luck Thanks, to you Ron. going forward. Thanks to you and your dad for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Lovely to chat, Kylie. Thanks, John. Nowadays, the Everest is the jewel in the crown of Sydney's spring racing carnival, but time-honoured races like the Epsom and the Metropolitan add greatly to the atmosphere. Many lovers of the thoroughbred are equally excited by the appearance of the new two-year-olds in the Breeders' Plate and the Jim Crack Stakes. The list of Breeders' Plate winners to go on to Slipper Glory takes your breath away. Sky High, Eskimo Prince, Baguette, Luscan Star, Sebring, Piero, Vancouver and Capitalist. One Breeders' Plate victor who should have won the Golden Slipper was Encounter, who threw the race away by running off the track in 1996. Interesting to note that the first Golden Slipper winner, Todman, didn't start in the Breeders' Plate. Jim Crack Stakes winners haven't fared as well, with not a single Slipper winner amongst them. Concert star, Winona Girl, Vaindara, Media and more recently, Coolan Gatter, all won the gym crack before placing in the Golden Slipper. This year's editions of the big two-year-old double will be part of a dazzling program on Saturday, September the 30th. Group 1s on the day are the Tab Epsom, the Metropolitan and the Dali Flight Stakes. Everest contenders will be in action in the Premier, while the listed Dulcify Stakes is an important lead-up to the Spring Champion. It's one hell of a race day. Royal Randwick, Saturday, September 30th, as the Sydney Spring Carnival rolls on.